Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We're back from the Edinburgh Fringe. When you're not participating, it is glorious. Do you know what makes me wonder if I'm a bit dead on the inside? Oh. How little interest I have in a street performer. Can you say more on that? Do you not think inherently swallowing a sword or juggling fire no. should be something no. that draws the attention? That's so disgusting and weird to me. It's the lack of interest in something very dramatic. There was one time, sorry to bring up my ex. Whore. But there was one time when we were living together, when I was in the mm. bath. And we lived opposite a dry cleaners and it was on fire. And I couldn't be bothered to get out of the bath to look at it. See, that is dead on the inside. It's the way I feel sometimes. You know the magazine that comes with The Guardian on a Saturday mm-hmm. and it has that experience column. And it's things like, I was attacked by a goat and then I fell into a volcano. Oh, but this and is And then my... I just think, oh, I'm not reading that. No, but I don't care about the story. I care about the person's ability to tell the story. Right. Once in a while, the story is interesting enough that it carries the telling. But but nine times out of ten, skip, get me to that dating column in the back. Get me to the dating column in the back. Now, we were in Edinburgh for the TV festival. But since we were going to be there anyway, we thought, what if we did a live show? And so we got Jesse Armstrong. So since last speaking to you, we have been in his presence. Here's a detail I think is useful for people. He strikes me as somebody who neither spends too little or too long in the shower. He strikes you as someone who spends the exact right amount of time in the shower? Yes. So it's not like he's in a rush, I'm just going to get myself wet, a bit of soap, and then off into my day. Uh-huh. Nor is he somebody who's avoiding the day and just thinking, oh, I, just want to, I just want to be suspended in time in the shower. I just think he's in there for the exact right amount of time. Wow, that's so interesting. I, I need to be very honest that, that that doesn't resonate for me. And he was in a great jacket that was really working for him. Okay. And the conversation we had with Jesse on stage mm-hmm. was recorded for us by a young man called Horatio. Mm-hmm. And the interview on this podcast is an edited version of the conversation. Yes. So the edited version that you will hear will be about 20 minutes. We spoke to him for an hour. I thought it was a good hour. So if you've been thinking you should join the Patreon, but you haven't, and you want to listen to that full hour, pay me three pounds every month forever. First quick watch then, significant week in your life, Sarah. And just like that, it's over. It's over. It empties out of my life the shape, the meaning, the excitement, the disappointment, the rage, the tears, the glee. It came to an end this week. 
And this is a question that I want to ask, basically. And I mean no offense to anyone, and I, I don't mean to hurt the feelings of anyone who has suffered, but I genuinely was wondering if Michael Patrick King has had a stroke. And I don't mean like one of the bad ones where you're like, oh. I mean, you know, people have these like mini strokes yes. and then you find out like a year later that you've had a stroke. I just wonder if he's had a stroke. And that's what explains the overall unevenness slash ultimately like poor quality of the whole thing. Have you checked with the National Health Service website that being a poor showrunner is a symptom of a mini stroke. I'm saying I'm very nervous about things and I don't maybe no I don't think it could be meningitis. Do you know how you know if you have meningitis cuz I've gotten so worried about it so many times. Go on. So I mostly don't call my mom anymore if I think I'm dying but once in a while. And I and I was like I oh god I shouldn't say this. I I've been like worried that I have my neck is feeling a certain kind of way and I think I have meningitis. My mother goes, "Sarah, can you see your feet right now?" <laughs> Yeah, and she went, you do not have meningitis. That is the sign. If you get to a stage where you cannot see your own feet, then you go to the doctor immediately. And you don't think if, what's the guy's name? Oh, Michael Patrick King. If he hadn't seen his feet for all this time that the show has been airing, <laughs> well, no, I it don't would have think, been a red flag. I don't think, yeah, I think also meningitis, like it fucking takes you. So. Yeah. And wasn't this the notable episode of Just Like That? Because oh what's the face is back? Kim Cattrall. Oh my God. Okay, so she FaceTimes in, which I knew was coming because you told me that's what was going to happen. You were able to pick up on that information. This Kim Cattrall has back thing has been built up so heavily. It was so nothing. The only way it would have been like kind of good would have been is if they had gone on lockdown with this thing the way Succession did about Logan dying. Right. Like that's it needed. The, if, if no one knew a fucking thing, it would have been like, Wah! but there's no control because of the fucking mini stroke. <laughs> like there's no one at the wheel because I think he had a mini stroke. I, I, I mean, someone, I'm sorry, someone on that team needed to be going, look, I want to call this. Okay. This, th for this to work, we need to fucking keep this shit quiet. Don't use it for buzz. Lock it down. It was nothing. Nothing. And they just should have fucking kept their fucking mouth shut. But no one is making the right calls. Anyway, I'm just going to miss it. And I'm going to feel sad. And I'm going to, I'm going to like wait two weeks. And um, then I'll just binge it. And it'll be glorious. All right. My quick watch is Ahsoka on Disney+. Plus. It's the new Star Wars series. First of all, I don't understand why it's called Ahsoka. It's a character's name. She's a Jedi. And a Jedi is a warrior. Like a mystic knight with a lightsaber. Cool. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she's got two. She has two? Yeah, it's a USP. She's played by Rosaria Dawson. Oh, Jeff, you love. But I find the the, mm. the makeup, whatever's going on. Is the, it like the a costume. pharaoh's cap? Is no, she a pharaoh's it's, cap? it's like some kind of appendage growing out of her head. Oh. I, I, I find it difficult <laughs> to objectify her. Because of the appendage? Yes. It's quite snake-like. No offence to anybody with a... Um, no, like a large growth coming out of their head that's like yeah, a snake. Yes. Do you know, that because you watched the first one with our son, and then he came upstairs, and I thought he was supposed to be like watching TV with you. Now, he, he blows hot and cold on Star Wars, and he, he just got bored of it quite quickly. There's just too much staring at objects 
or gazing around a location. And my theory is the budgets for these shows are so enormous. They spend all this money on visual effects that they're trying to get the money's worth out of them. Oh, that's interesting. Whereas I think you could easily (laughs) shave half the length of an episode off by not having so vistas, much, yeah, vistas, fewer vistas, beholding, looking at an orb, <laughs> these kinds of things. Okay. So I don't really go deep on science fiction. Uh-huh. I, I have a look at these Star Wars things. I like Doctor Who. You know, what's surprising me as I think about this is I think about your relationship to Doctor Who before we had a child was that like once in a while the show would come back and you'd be like, I'm going to need an hour each week to just like sit with my show. There was like a joy and a bit of embarrassment about that. So I've never been disgusted by you. Our son really likes Doctor Who and is excited about it coming back. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's that's great for a seven-year-old. Yeah. Because of this, we took him to a Comic-Con and oh. there were many people in cosplay, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty comfortable with. Uh-huh. Like if I see 10 people in Manchester United kits outside a pub, that is as strange as 10 people dressed up as Mandalorians to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you, you seemed a little unnerved by it. I don't do great if there's not like a good snack available at the <laughs> bar. And I don't mean blood sugar wise. I have to be able to get at a bare minimum, like some posh person crisps. And if you can't, I'm teetering on the edge. But here's, I'm going to say this thing and it's going to make me sound like a fucking bitch. But I struggle to think of my son at the age of 40 attending one of those things in costume with it not bothering me. That makes me sad. What if you know he's a very happy person with a great support network of friends? A great support network of friends? Yeah, I mean, they're all dressed up as Doctor Who aliens. My wish for my son is that because life is a more regular occurrence than like a Comic-Con, that he has a larger percentage of time when he can feel comfortable in himself. And so I choose that over like loving to dress up when he's 40 with his support network of friends. I have no desire whatsoever at all to do cosplay. But I look at those people and I see myself as closer to them than if we ever go somewhere like a private members club. So if you like let it all go, you'd be at fucking cosplay at a Comic-Con. And if I let it all go, I'd just be like an asshole at a private members club. (laughs) Don't you think that's probably what's right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Another one from you? So this is a Nepo friendly moment. But... I wouldn't do Nepo Friendly if I didn't believe in every part of my heart with the quality of the product that they had made. So we're talking about Nish Kumar's new stand-up special, which is available now on Sky. Yes. What if a friend of yours Uh had made a stand-up special that wasn't so good? We wouldn't talk about it. What if they asked you directly? I know what I would do. I would make up an email from a listener, which we've never, ever, ever done. I would say like, oh, we had, this is crazy. We've had like four people wrote in and said they like, they think we should watch. And that's what I would do. I'm fucking good, right? The deviousness. I know. The deviousness. I know. Of that it's is terrible. Brilliant. But that's what I would do. But because I was going to suggest that maybe <laughs> we could establish a code now that oh. people would be able to hear and know that you're being disingenuous when you're recommending oh, like something. Oh, like a, like, um, not a safe word, but a safe word. Yes. Like a, a code. Yes. Where you guys, like, as maybe our. There's an adjective that you would never use. Okay. The word came to me very quickly. It's not funny, but it felt very natural. Glorious. Glorious. So if I describe something as glorious, I am giving you my safe word, and I'm in an awkward social situation that I can't wiggle out of, and you know <laughs> you know that I don't mean it. Is there anything more that we can do with this in terms of like shows more generally? Like if we want to get a really good guest that'll look really fancy, but we actually thought the show was kind of shit. 
If you hear us describe something as gloriously funny, it means we thought it was okay, but we thought the guest would look really shiny and we didn't want to turn it down. So is Nish's special gloriously funny then? No. I did tour support for Nish. And, and uh, I've got a surprise for you. Your name is on the credits. His three tour no! supports. There's an even bigger surprise. What? They've spelled your name wrong. Are you shitting me? No. Are you shitting <laughs> no, me? No, they spelled Baron with one R. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> My name is spelled wrong in the one time I'm going to be in the credits. Are you shitting me? <laughs> you know what? It was gloriously funny after all. <laughs> Do you think it was an act of passive aggression? No, he's like not you were like the that. least favorite of the no, tour support. I was the least favorite of the tour supports. No, I was, I no, was, I was, why? I was. I don't think that can I be true. I was. It's a hundred percent true, and I know it's true because we're not talking about like being on the stage. Because I mean, hello, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about like you're you're not there really to be great on stage. You're there to be really good company. Why? Why would anybody? want you in a car for many hours at a time. You're great in short bursts. Short bursts. But then you get very surly. So surly. After about <laughs> 90 minutes. So surly. Like, I'm not good. I'm like Cinderella after midnight. I imagine oh, your deal God. in this situation is very much like the last family holiday a teenager takes. I'm just not fun. So do you think you're broadly well liked amongst the comedy community? No. Oh. Uh, so Nish is special. Your power, your control then. The laughs are relentless throughout. I think it's like the best thing I've ever seen him do. And I am saying that because he is my friend, but also because... I just think it's wonderful. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't watched it yet. I did see you watching it on the train yesterday and I noticed there are no audience cutaways. So I'm in. I hate an audience cutaway when it cuts to two or three people laughing. Oh, it just makes me want to die. Shout out to Stuart Laws who shot it. Did they spell his name right in the credits? Oh my God. Well, we'd love to hear from you, please. Is there something that we should be watching? Do you either hard agree or hard disagree with any of the points? made in the last few minutes. Have you ever been spotted in an audience cutaway? We, we've talked about this before, but Sarah once went to a taping of the Jerry Springer show and your facial reactions were so mm-hmm. extreme mm-hmm. that they ended up being repurposed for a too hot for TV VHS video that was for sale. Correct, in 1997. Also, I do want to hear from anyone who watched in just like that, but never watched Sex in the City. I think we had one email like that. Yeah, I think so we far. did. Yeah, yeah. But I'll take more if they're out there. And what is the central question? Why? Yeah, but I don't want to exhaust people. So if you just want to write to me and be like, me, and just like that, and, we can keep a tally. City, and then I can keep a tally. <laughs> also, what about any suggestions for the safe words that we might need in the future to communicate to our listeners? Oh, I fucking love the code. Here's what we want. We want to establish a system where we can have our cake and eat it too. <laughs> where we can get big, glorious, sparkling guests that lure in new listeners whilst remaining true to the people who just want some no bullshit chat. The email address is fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Now, while we were in Edinburgh, you sneaked out of the hotel room to go and record one of your Friday voice notes for Patreon. Oh, you know that I got interrupted by a waiter while it was happening. No. He was like, excuse me. I was like, sorry. And all of this was on the voice note. See, this is what you guys can have for five pounds a month. (laughs) 
Maybe we don't need any more of a cell than that. Yeah, that you can hear me like creeping in a restaurant in Edinburgh when I'm supposed to be present with my family. And as I'm trying to like voice note Patreon supporters, the waiter's like, excuse me, um, can I get into that cupboard? And I was like, not a problem. <laughs> so anyway, about the broccoli that I was overeating this week. Hang on, the, your voice note was about overeating broccoli. I genuinely, I don't want to tell these fuckers who have not joined our Patreon. They do not get to know. Okay, well, those voice notes are for our middle tier of Patreon supporters. Yes, our personal friends. But our lowest here, the lowest of the lows, but we still love them and they're adorable. Three pounds a month gets you, among other things, the longer version of the interview that we do with our guest, which this week is going to be our special boy, our third wheel, Jesse Armstrong. Patreon.com stroke they like to watch. All right, the main thing that we watched this week was recommended to us by Sarah Phelps a few weeks ago. And then subsequently, lots of people on email and on social media said, she is right. Why Why aren't people talking about this show as one of the greats? It is Mr. Inbetween, which you can find on Disney+. And you were worried that because... You, you were so enthusiastic about Deadlock mm-hmm. last week mm-hmm. that you have to rein it in a little bit through fear of seeming hyperbolic. Yes, I should have a break from telling people how good shit is, but I just think this show is is very good. I think it's exceptional. You think it's exceptional? I, I do. I, th- I think it's yeah. top draw stuff, actually. Yeah. And... I have watched nearly two whole seasons in the past two days. And I have not. I have watched most of the first season. Nuts and bolts, here's what it is. It's created by and starring Scott Ryan. I previously knew nothing of him. Mm -hmm. And it's an Australian show. It's about a hitman and he is kind of nice. Oh, kind of nice. Kind of nice. So not, not especially during his executions, but he's a divorced dad and he's, he's nice to his daughter. He's nice to his brother. He's nice to his his girlfriend. You, you think I'm misselling this? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think he's kind of nice. I thought it sort of is The Sopranos, but then it's not at all. He's a much lighter character than Tony Soprano. The in whole a way. thing is much That's lighter. That's not not to say you'd want to invite him to a barbecue, but he he wouldn't be an energy vampire at the barbecue. Yes, and he's. Human. The character reminded me a little bit of Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. In that he's very cool under pressure. He is extremely competent. Good. But Mike in Breaking Bad, ap- apart from when he's spending time with his granddaughter, you can't really imagine him having a, a fun conversation or relaxing. But this guy is not qu- not quite as cool. Like... One of the plot points is that he winds up in an anger management course. I think it's fair to say that you don't see yourself reflected in the lead character, Ray. No, I do because of his rage. Oh. I think I have some violent impulses. They've never come out. No, no, out. no. Well, well, I don't doubt that. It's more the cool collectedness. Oh, no. Under pressure. There's there's some kind of thing that most people have that triggers anxiety under pressure. And then one in whatever percentage of people don't have it. And most people who have this thing wind up as like Navy SEALs. And you're watching this and you're watching Ray be like, oh, oh, 
I've got a tail and people are going to start shooting me. Not a big deal. Let me put on my gloves. And I was thinking that like whatever the reverse of that is, <laughs> is what I have. So nothing can happen. We, nothing. We took a flight recently and Sarah went into an anxiety spiral <laughs> because we only had one hour and 15 minutes after we'd been through oh security. Oh my God. I after. was... The boarding had started to the people who know the people who know Heathrow. You know, they just put a gate up. There's like there's one pret in this one part of Heathrow (laughs) that you can hit, and it had said the gate. It said go to gate, and I was like, it's saying go to gate. (laughs) And you're like, yes, but we've still. And I was like, it's saying go to gate. You're like, you you were moving through Heathrow. Like you were some kind of special agent and you knew a bomb was about to go off. I, I think I could push someone over. I, I, I get so fucking crazy in an airport. It's insane. So it says go to gate and you're like, we've, we've got plenty of time. I was like, Jeff, it says go to I see people. I see people. I was then so convinced that you had made this like fuck up that I was like refusing to walk with you. I was like... Like, I couldn't be near you because I was so, I was like, he, oh, he the fucking thinks he knows. He, this is what he does. He thinks he knows. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. <laughs> this is it. Are you taking sin? You're married to someone who doesn't know what they don't know. And those people are fucking dangerous. I mean, I was gone. We make it to the gate. They haven't started boarding. It's fine. I do think this is a way in which you're keeping our marriage fresh. Go on. This being so angry that you can't walk alongside me. That seems to be a fairly recent development. I think there are a few things at work. I think I'm generally getting older. I think we now know I'm not perimenopausal because the blood works. I think I am getting angrier. And also you've had like a mental health decline. And I don't think that's like helped make me like less angry. But (laughs) we're both working really hard to manage our own feelings. Right? Right. Um, What else about Mr. In-Between? Oh, at some point there's uh, an undercover cop. It occurred to me that you, you would be a terrible undercover cop no i wouldn't because well tell me why you think you wouldn't i'll tell you exactly why i think i wouldn't because i can be a real fucking liar when i want to be yes but this is the thing you you're a real fucking liar but also you can't keep a secret oh yeah well (laughs) that's a terrible combination no it's such a bad combination what if you had a secret job but you weren't allowed to talk to me about it oh i could no because i hear every fucking detail of your job everything like imagine if you couldn't say to me Oh, I had a six-minute wait for a tube train, and then I got on the bus, and uh, they, they had to change drivers, and I had to wait for seven minutes there. I'm trying to get better with that stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think with an assassin, y- your day's work stays in a locked box in a way that wouldn't work for you. No, this is what I've said. Like, It's not a sense of loyalty that I wouldn't have an affair on you. It's because I would not be <laughs> able to come home and be like, okay, so when I fucked him tonight, what happened was... <laughs> That's why I can't do it. A few times in this show, we see people having to dig their own graves. I don't understand why you would do what you'd just be like, if I'm going to die, I don't want to like have to do this bit of cardio beforehand. That's how I feel. But I also wonder if maybe you'd think, well, if I dig, something might happen. Yes. I think an assassin would get very weary of watching me try to dig a hole. <laughs> They'd get too annoyed. I'm not adept with a shovel. No. Whereas you... I think pretty good with a shovel. And I'm basing this on the fact that sometimes you become what I can only describe as possessed with a gardening fervour. <laughs> yeah, so you're not a gardener. And then maybe twice, <gasps> possibly three times a year, you go insane. 
And you know I did it today. You know well, I, went, I saw you up you know with a hose crazy. pipe today. Oh, that wasn't the crazy part. I mean, the pressure washer is quite crazy. But 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 you're right. I became possessed, and I was like, "This is happening now." And I thought to myself, "I hope he doesn't fucking see me." Because once it was done and I was cleaning up, I knew I had gone insane. And I was like, "Oh, I fucking hope he doesn't see me do this because I don't want to be told how I'm like insane." Well, it's like this horticultural mania descends. <laughs> I that, know, that's inconsistent I know. with who you are the rest of the year. You know, like when the Scandinavians go crazy on Midsummer. Oh my gosh. What is that? I don't know. Um, here's why I think you might not have heard Mr. In Between spoken of in the same breath as some of those other top draw shows. Give me an example of what you mean when you say a uh, uh, Breaking Bad, do you mean? Saw, okay, the, okay, the, okay. the Wire, whatever. I mean, it's Australian, so that probably doesn't help because it doesn't get the same amount of and attention. And it doesn't feel big no, like those shows no and and this this is kind of what i was going to say is, is that there's no engine driving the plot it's vignettes from his life almost yes. now it does progress across the season but each episode was maybe just three extracts from his day-to-day life it is such a classy show oh my god there's no, there's not a there's, word of cheesy dialogue yeah in there's it. not a minute of cheesiness and, and there's lots of that violent people in the underworld having everyday conversations but it doesn't feel like it's trying to ape samuel l jackson john travolta no. in pulp fiction but my one gripe with it, which I'm, I'm sort of just saying this to try and add a little texture to this conversation is the plot for me there wasn't quite enough going on. I think you watch more of the show. You're going to be at least 90p watching. You watching. think I'll get yeah, 90p watching? Yeah, watch yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to finish doing the podcast so I can watch some more of it. I'm that into it. This is 100% watchy-watchy for me. I'm not there yet, but I think that's 100p my faulty-faulty. Maybe I'd drop it to 95 just because it hasn't got that engine of a plot, but it does move along. Right now, I'm not feeling that it's moving along. It, it, and m- maybe I'll deduct another point because there's one episode which gets a little bit too much coincidence city. Yeah, when people oh, in TV are living yeah. in Coincident City. Coincident City, got too Coincident City for you. Yeah, but just this once, really. The, the truth is, this is extraordinary television, and you will rattle through it. The episodes are 27 minutes long, there are three seasons, these are short seasons, and it's very much a 90p plus watchy-watchy from me. Have you watched Mr. In Between? If you have and loved it, is there anything you can say to Sarah to bump her up from 80% watchy-watchy? Who wants to get me to hundy pee watchy watchy The email address? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up next, we go back in time just a few days to oh. the stage of the Assembly Ballroom oh. in Edinburgh with oh. our number one boy, Jesse Armstrong. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What did you, what time were you up this morning? I was up at eight. Eight? Breakfast? Yes. What's your go-to breakfast? Um, I went for yogurt. Just yogurt. Uh, it was. It was. It had a lot of banana in there. Because you still, you still at this ripe old age, you still are monitoring your girlish figure, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. There's no judgment. I just wanted to make sure that's what you were saying. You, you were doing a thing at the TV festival yesterday, and I know Succession was also nominated for TV Moment of the Year for Logan's death. Now you didn't win. Uh, it was. It was uh, Doctor Doctor Who won. I mean, how how is that being beaten by a kids kids sci-fi show? I, I, well, I wasn't aware of it, so it was, wasn't oh, as painful breaking as news. it is now. It is now, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a great moment. I don't have you down as a Doctor Who fan, though. Uh, I mean, I, I really revere Russell T. Davis, but I, I'm in the camp of, like, it's, it's good, but it's, a, for, it's for kids. So, so given that's where we are now, does, does succession start to feel like a fever dream? When Logan's death aired, all we were saying, and so many people were saying, was this is the greatest depiction of sudden death we have ever seen on TV. And now we're two and a half, three months later, and uh, every, you know, people just remember Doctor Who turning it back into <laughs> David Tennant. Like, does, does, it, does that sort of feverishness around the show, is that still with you? Uh, no, you know, and that's maybe why I'm going around being the, the whore of succession, seeking out rooms where people still want to talk about it. Um, yeah, it, feel, it feels weird because it was this big, you know, big cultural moment. And now it's that's gone and it is it's quite it's quite salutary quite nice in some ways it's really nice in a not feeling anxious about writing the next series and finishing the show which was a, a creative way to try and get right and and then almost as soon as it's over i felt like uh you i'll be reproached forever for never equaling this show because the cast are so good and my colleagues are so good in the writing team and i feel a bit like that fucking hell i don't know how we got there i don't think i could ever get there again so that's scary and I checked Reddit, which is um, like a hotbed of succession fandom, and that still seems active. It, 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 there's, there's posts every day. It's still going on. It's not like the, it fell off a cliff when the show ended or a week later. And, um, and I found a discussion about fan fiction, which I don't want to be sneery about at all because it really scratches an itch for people. Um, but just for your benefit, Jerry and Roman, Tom and Shiv, Kendall and Stewie, Tom and Greg, Roman and Menken. Who, who's the least popular pairing? Oh, oh man. Uh, I, the, the, some of these are news to me that I'd never... Th- I mean, I didn't even know if they are in the same show. But did you say Menken and Roman were on there? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not together much in... Except, except they, they do have a bit of sizzle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have thought many people would uh, spend their time creating novels on that. It, it exists, so, but you, you're right. That's the least popular. Number four, an actual couple, Tom and Shiv... Didn't you say Kendall and Stewie? 
Kendall and Stewie, number three. To Jerry and Roman. And the most popular fan fiction erotica is, is Greg and Tom. Oh, Greg and Tom. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Which we just do the whole hour on this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> are you surprised that a show that actually has so little sex in it has created like such a sort of offspring of erotica? Yes. <laughs> Can we ask you about a couple of things, that, like nuts and bolts things that we never ask you about? Yes. The aversion to flashbacks. Yes. Which I appreciated. Is that something that you carry with you throughout all your work or is it something decided with that group of people in that room? Uh, I guess it's the, part of the aesthetic, aesthetic of the show, that kind of documentary derived, you're seeing behind the curtain, dogma slightly kind of real. I think it would fit pretty weirdly. I also have a bit of a creative like, oh, this has already happened. So this, this has already happened, has it? Uh, is, is, my, is my instinct like... <laughs> This is, you're basically telling me this is irrelevant to the, the story going forward. It's, so, yeah, I don't... They, in, they instinctively made me feel that feeling of like, oh, this is going to be a bit of a drudge. So we thought we could do th something called uh, Truth or Sarah, where you, you either get to answer a question and you, you can't worm your way out of it like you usually do, Jesse. Mm. You have to give it, give it a, a straight answer. Uh, <laughs> or Sarah will get up to some of her weird shit. I can answer the question honestly. Yes. Or my other option is saying... The, the, Sarah. Let, let Sarah do whatever she's going to do, and I, I don't know what that is. Can we get a sense? Oh, you, um, you've, you've dealt with her before. Yeah, quite what well, I'll I think. say is I might not stay seated, but I won't touch you. Yeah, okay, let's do the game. And we can all agree that the, the power dynamics are in place that makes everything I might do actually completely acceptable ethically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this question. If you don't want to answer it, then Sarah will be over presently. <laughs> Name for me the feeling mm. whenever you hear the news that Brian Cox is giving a press interview. <laughs> so you can either answer that question honestly or Sarah will join you. Yeah, Brian does quite a bit of press. Yes. Yes. Feeling or doesn't honestly? I, I don't. You're trying to get me to say negative feelings. I don't have them, honestly. He, he, yeah, he's he doesn't give a fuck. He says whatever he wants. He's pretty unfiltered, uh, but he is. He's a, he's a he's a good. He's a nice person. If you if you, I think if anyone met him on the street here or went, ended up having a drink with him, you would come away going, "That's basically a nice bloke." So I think. <laughs> That sounds like down to a faint praise. I, I, that's like 3% of people for me. So uh, he, he, he's a really nice man. And so I know that I, I feel that he, that will come across eventually, even if he is blowing off steam. So the, the, Sorry, did you feel like the feeling was? No, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, there's no, no, like, no, yeah, Bryce done an interview. No, that's not fair. Come on. That, that's really honest for me. Molester's eulogy. Well, he said, here are some facts about Brian. It wasn't name the feeling. The, the feeling is, oh, Brian's done another interview. No, I... What's the feeling? Well, if I saw a headline... You could was... say neutral. Like, you could just be like, neutral. Like, I feel neutral. I, I, get out. Yeah, I, feel, I feel neutral. I was just thinking about um, the song when, when Kendall is back at Shiv's wedding and he's on the dance floor and he has this, like, moment with Rava and his kids. 
to I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston. So do you re- do you remember that it was I want to dance with somebody? Yeah. Because that like ruined that song for me, but no big deal. But um, <laughs> but in, in you know, it's like now this sort of there's like this weird melancholy that I experience when I hear that song. And I was thinking, how often do people ask you about stuff? And you're like, I have no, that was that was like in 2018. And I have no memory of what happened. No, it's really weird. You know, some moments that are significant to people I've forgone. But other things like that was, I remember the debate and I think we had um, Road to Nowhere by Talking Heads in there and it seemed a little bit too cool. I, lo- I like that song, but it didn't really feel like a wedding song. It felt, felt slightly forced. I think we shot it with, with that song as well playing. But um, but I think that also the melancholy of um, I want to dance with somebody is actually there in the song as well. <sighs> so don't you, and now when you hear it, you're like, oh, she wants to dance she with somebody. She wants to dance with somebody. <laughs> she wants to feel the heat with somebody. <laughs> How much of a music guy are you? Well, um, I always remember Rob Webb telling me a story about being uh, starring at university and meeting somebody in a room who said, music's really important to me. And deciding, like, oh, this guy's a wanker. I'm never going to be friends. <laughs> never going to be friends with you. Like, who needs to go around going, yeah, I, I really like music? <laughs> um, a jumping off point, maybe to talk about Nick Bratell and his score for the show. I, it just, you know, uh, there's that quote, all art aspires to the condition of music. And that's, I think that's true, that it's it's extraordinary and special. And were you, were you match made? Was that a matchmaking situation, you and Nicholas Bratell? Yeah, it was made by um, Adam McKay, who directed the pilot and, you know, did Big Short and Vice and Don't Look Up and Anchorman. But he knew him. He'd worked with him on um, the Big Short and... He, he he sort of had an instinct and well, it was one of the most exciting moments of doing the show was going to his studio and listening to the theme oh and just like the, the hairs on the back of my neck. And was that the same with uh, L to the OG? I think it's great. <laughs> Don't you? I would listen to it if, if you know, I, I would be embarrassed in case I was walking down the street and an ear pod fell out and my phone suddenly <laughs> somebody who, who re- you recognise me. What's how, how many of the lyrics of that were out of your pen? None. It was, it was, um, McKay helped a bit because he's quite a good sort of rapper. But, um, my colleague Will Tracy basically wrote it. On that, I, I wonder this if somebody's done so much comedy over the years, the thing that is fascinating to me about Succession is, of course, Jeremy Strong's performance is, is one of the great dramatic performances we've ever seen. But there's an argument to be made to say it's one of the greatest comic performances because of, uh, you know, Kendall's hubris, uh, fuck the patriarchy. And it, I feel like it's at a level of David Brent or, or, or a Hank from Larry Sanders. Yeah. And I wondered if that had changed the way you think about what a, a comic performance is or who, who gets to do comic performances. Well, yeah, it's really fascinating. And I could, would be happy to talk about this at length because there's so many ways of performing comedy. And then there's, I guess, Jeremy's version, which is so totally committed that it's very um very real and very funny in a way that it can be painful to see people in real life when they don't realize how they're coming across there's so many layers going on there that it is totally committed there's no element of comic performance and yet he is aware that that it will be funny when we hear him you know the very opening of the show the first time you see him is he's listening to beastie boys on headphones and doing that thing that sometimes people do and he knows that that will be funny Right, he's smart, but he doesn't, as as an actor, allow himself to know that that it will be funny for us. So that's quite a lot of self control and control of his acting technique. We were talking about this last night when we were speaking to some of the actors on Succession, 
And they would talk about acting with Jeremy Strong because he stays in character all the time. And so then we were thinking about it with like, hold on, then does that not mean that there's a moment where you, Jesse Armstrong, have spoken to Kendall Roy? Like there would have been a moment where he would have been Kendall and speaking to you. And who, who are you to Kendall Roy? Yeah, well, I put on a suit and I say, I'm David and I work in a Kent and I want to give, <laughs> give you some notes. Um, no, it's good. It's, it's, it's interesting. And um, I think it's all right to talk about the sort of uh, dynamics. They feel quite private, but I think it's fine to talk about. I think Jeremy would too. Yeah, he, 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 there's a middle space. It's not like he goes around. He doesn't say, you've got to call me Kendall or that stuff. He is just, when you see him in between takes, he's deeply in character. He's physically in character. He's very much inhabiting the clothes that he will wear in character and on a very basic level, it's hard pretending, like being an actor, it's hard to inhabit that role. And so if I'm talking to him and he feels like he's very much in that emotional arena of the scene, yeah, I'd stand next to him and not look him in the eye and like try and keep my thoughts relatively brief and not, not make him think about the artifice which is going on, but like feed in a thought which is helpful to a, like what if you were feeling like this or just you don't want to break the little spell that people are trying to cast as they do a scene. We've talked a lot about the, the, all the background research into media moguls and business in the past. I'm interested to know how much research do you do into psychological behaviours? How sure are you, for example, that the abuse that Logan suffered in his childhood plays out in the right way uh, in his character? I'm not uninterested in like psychology and how people are and especially their upbringings and different models of attachment theory and these kind of things. I would say that I would hate to feel like this person suggests that a person raised in an insecure environment by parents would not. No, fuck it. People are so weird. Like, you know, I've got one thing I'm sure of is anything that can happen will happen with human beings. So you can't go wrong. So you don't, you don't stress test it with a psychologist. You don't say, would this person masturbate onto a pane of glass? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's sort of the, that's that, like maybe with something extreme like that, we didn't, but um, you might <laughs> say, would this be a, yeah, we, I think we would, we, the, 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 the things which feel more stretching credulity or the outer reaches, which are often things which are taken from life or someone else's experience, not that one. You might think about testing it, but that's what we should be as writers in the room we should be really interested in human experience. So we should be able to sniff out what feels like a resonant w way of, of behaving. Why? I was sort of curious why Roman. So what we know about Roman is that we know that he was the one who was sort of physically abused. Was there a reason why it was just like just one who was experiencing something, something so different from what his siblings were going through? I would imagine my pit, if I was in the writer's room now, so this isn't sort of canonical. I would suggest that Logan would have cuffed and hit all the boys at different times in their lives. I think the difference for Roman maybe is that he feels like he was bullied in the domestic environment. And so we can all react to things in different ways. I think Connor and Kendall probably have experienced that and have managed to accommodate it without it being a big part of their psychology. Whereas I think Roman being that beaten dog and being there's often a 
a dynamic, isn't there, with bullied people of sort of needing the the feeling of ne- negative attention that you get from from that. And so I think he's become not addicted to it, but related to it. Let's finish with some quick questions. Uh, what is the percentage chance, and it doesn't have to be any time soon, of uh, a very uh, Royco Christmas? <laughs> a song or a episode? I think a TV special with guest stars. <laughs> Oh, I would like the world where we could do that. Have you FaceTime with Sarah Snook's baby? <laughs> no, but I've seen pictures and they're delightful. Can you explain to us how to win at Bore on the Floor? <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you have to be Logan Roy to win that game. No one else is winning, are they? What did Tom's bachelor party, where of course famously he swallowed his own cum, so classic for you, so classic for you. What, if anything, did that bachelor party have in common with your own? I think somebody ate a lot of feta cheese at mine. <laughs> the, if you, yeah, I don't want to continue down that route of similarities, but. Fair enough. Um, Jesse, were you deliberately fucking with the audience when you put in that Peter Munyans had been knocking around for 40 years? Uh, no, yeah, that was a coincidence. I, feel, I saw somebody say, oh, and that's just how old the kids are and maybe he, he's a, the secret father. No, that was just a, well, that was the right number of years for him to have been an old family friend. But yeah, it, it wasn't meant to be a misleading uh, little <laughs> tricksy. This thing. show was fucking overrated. I've been singing it. <laughs> the whole time do you Um, think you will ever get to a point in your life where you can sit down and watch succession start to finish no really tell tell us why oh it'd be it'd be so disgusting i mean like a private little thing you do one time and no one needs to know and you just have like a little moment it'd be like yeah a mixture of sort of masturbatory and sadistic and oh it'd be awful oh keep talking (laughs) (laughs) all right um, we, we should let you go. Um, what should we be watching, Jesse? Oh, have you ever done couples therapy? We, well, funnily enough, we did that. Wait, prior it's to asking the... us if we've actually ever done. Stop watching TV. No, have you watched the show? Yes. Yeah, we loved it. We've not done it on the Have you talked about it on the podcast? No, I think what will, it's amazing. It's, uh, tell, tell the people, tell the people about couples therapy. It's sensitively done with a rather amazing therapist you come to think Mm -hmm. three seasons showtime bbc here just like you follow three or four couples through couples therapy in new york city you get quite a strong flavor of new york city some of it's through the covid uh pandemic which some of you'll remember um (laughs) and and, um it's just a fucking oh it's amazing it's like the it's easily the thing i found most compelling to watch in the last bit of time Thank you very much for coming out this lunchtime. Uh, we really appreciate it. And please show your appreciation for Jesse Armstrong. Oh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Jesse Armstrong. So we, we did it and we chatted for a little bit after and then we said our goodbyes and that was that. So we're then on Princess Street and we're walking back to our hotel to pick up our son. And um, I'm like talking about him and saying things about him. And then you're like, and speaking of the devil, and we see the devil, the devil. And then we sort of did whatever we needed to do to make sure that he knew we weren't going to try and interact with him anymore. (laughs) But he was just, it was like, right, it's just a guy. He had his little backpack on. 
He'd done the right amount of showering that day. He was in that green jacket that suited him. And just this guy who made succession, just there on his own. Taking it in. Taking it in. And it was beautiful. I love that shit where like you get to see someone and you know just a little bit about them and you see them in the world is so fun to me. I love seeing somebody I know before they realize that I've seen them. Oh, glorious. So glorious. I mean, I'm not going looking through windows or anything like that. No. Like, I-, I love seeing you in the wild. There was a point when we were in Edinburgh <laughs> where I'd, I'd come to find you and Jean and I was on the phone to my friend. So I held back at a distance and I simultaneously loved watching the two of you, but also felt like a divorced dad with a restraining order. <laughs> well, it's time now for the part of the podcast that I like to think of as the Mr. Inbox Memorial. <laughs> Mr. Inbox is not here anymore. Is he haunting us? Is that his ghost? This is the ghost of Mr. Inbox. I think I prefer the old Mr. Inbox. Hello. No, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring that voice back for Christmas. So either you're welcome or apologies. Our first email is from Carrie Moyles. She oh, wrote, I know Carrie. Did you fuck her in the 90s? I did not. Did you want to fuck her in the 90s? I did not. But not in a way that she should feel insulted. I also know her gentleman husband, Kieran. Carrie and Kieran? Yeah. That's weird for them. Carrie, thank you so much for writing and please keep listening to the pod. But it's not ideal to be named Carrie and then fall in love with someone named Kieran. It's it's too Kardashian-y. Carrie writes, My recommendation for you is Apple TV's Schmigadoon and the sequel, Schmigago. It stars SNL Cecily Strong and is exec produced by Lauren Michaels. Is it though? <laughs> something is like exec produced by Lauren Michaels I turn the other way that is someone who had a mini stroke that no one is talking about except when it comes to talent spotting which she remains like incredible at yes but how much of that is he so so it seems that that name actually is a guarantee of some quality to some extent yes yes but um, it also feels like he's the thing that could stop some of those shows especially Saturday Night Live from being good and relevant in the modern era. I know. And he was so bizarre on um, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I don't remember so much about that one. It was just, he's just a bizarre person. He's very good friends with Paul McCartney. Celebrities who hang out with other major celebrities are bizarre and, you know, unwell people. (laughs) It's just not great. Do you think our boy, do you think our boy is hanging out with all his celebs? You think like every dinner he has is with Will Ferrell and Adam McKay? No. Do you think when he goes on his summer holidays, he takes his family and they like go and hang out with Will Ferrell? Fucking no fucking way. Mm. The synopsis is thus. On a backpacking trip designed to reinvigorate their relationship, a couple discovers a magical town living in a 1940s musical and learn that they can't leave until they find true love. Now... I love musicals. I'd say you don't have to be Elaine Page to enjoy this, but you're going to have to know enough about musical tropes to get the most out of it. Really funny and amazing songs. Hope the surgery went well, Jeff. Oh, yeah, I've had surgery you since had surgery. we last spoke. But we don't even have time. We, we've been to the Edinburgh Fringe. We don't have time for that plus your hand surgery. You enjoy me in surgical stockings, though. Well, and they gave you like a surgical underpants, which oh, I'd never... It was like a knickers. bikini bottom. It was crazy. It was like knickers made out of the same stuff that a hairnet is made out I've, of. I have never seen <laughs> anything like this. I've been in many hospitals. I've had many surgeries. I've never been asked to put on underpants. And it remind me, reminded me, you have a story of before we knew each other, you went to stay at your friend's house in Sweden. I, don't, I, don't, I think... Um, Fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, all I'm saying is I've had te- like 10 different medical procedures with general anesthetics, just all like weird separate shit. I'm a pro. 
and I've I've put on my gowns, I've done my socks. I have never been given underpants. And it is because like the vagina is self-cleaning. I think like my vagina is just so fucking clean. And people are like, this princess does not need those knickers, not with that clean vagina. Um, okay, Carrie. You you love a musical. I'm not gonna watch Schmigadoon, Carrie, I don't think. Here's what it is. There's I touch the Yiddish to it that I think <laughs> you might like. Schmigadoon. Basically, I heard a, a radio show where they talked about this show and it didn't sell me on it. But I really love you for rating in. So please be my friend and don't be hurt if I don't. This is from Jan McVerry, seasoned TV writer. This will mean nothing to you, but she was responsible for the uh, Coronation Street tram crash, which I think was one of the great TV moments of the 90s. And oh, Jan wow. writes, I wanted to chime in on my most hated TV trope. It's when writers use elaborate baseball metaphors instead of actual human conversation <laughs> in a bid to sound like mammoth-esque heavyweights in touch with the people. It makes me want to puke, probably because I don't get baseball, sure, but also because it feels lazy and willy-waving. Uh, sad to say that the biggest recent culprit is The Bear, a show I've loved but which fell foul to this big style in Series 2, especially in the Uncle Jimmy scenes. That she she gets at something mm-hmm. about being in touch with the people there. I could be completely wrong about mm-hmm. the bear, but my guess would be the writer mm-hmm. isn't like the people we see on screen, and and they don't, you know, nor should a writer have to be. But there's something in that disconnect with that particular show that doesn't quite sit right with me. Yeah, I think he wants to live like common people. Laura, Laura, love Jan McVerry. Jan, love you, bitch, but only because you write for TV. If you had a normal person job, I wouldn't value your opinion as much. <laughs> Uh, this next email is from Jeanette. Jeanette writes, hi, FCNNC. Hi, Jeanette. Hi. I went to school with a Jeanette LaBoyer. Never oh. met another one. I think of Jeanette Cranky. Don't know who that is. It's too complicated to explain. Fine. This Jeanette, not Cranky, writes, hi, FCNNC. The trope I think lazy sitcom writers include in just about every series is character A. Name me one, a bad habit, character defect, big mistake, etc., that I do. Character B gives three or more examples. Character A, I said name one. So dumb. It's amazing to me that any writer lets that through their keyboard. Maybe in 1978. But how, how, how can you live with yourself? Name one name- way in which I'm annoying. You're obnoxious, you're a cheapskate, and you have body odour. I said one. Right, yeah. You'd just take the revolver out of the top drawer and finish it there, wouldn't you? Oh, my God, horrible. Anyway, Jeanette, that's really... Oh, Jeanette's from Oakland, California. (gasps) Oh, my God. Because we've heard heard from... uh, We've had a couple of of Californias. Here's where I think we should take our live shows. Somewhere in Australia where we have listeners, and then also California. They'd all have to sell out so that we can make enough money to pay for business class flights. I don't care about flying business, but Jeff has his issues. Some quick recommendations to follow up on the email from last week. Claire says that she thinks the best option for a 10-year-old to watch with the adults mm-hmm. is Taskmaster. Yes. And Halloway thinks we should watch Fisk. Uh, we've had a lot of people suggesting that, so we will get around to it. And Yael thinks we should watch Please Like Me. Yes, I've heard very good things I'd about I'd have that. no idea what that is. I think it's an Australian comedy from maybe five years ago. What is going on there? Oh, it's all happening, isn't it? And everything's going to be okay, which I don't know about. Okay. Email us, please. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. This week, Sarah liked to watch and just like that on HBO and Sky and now TV and is now in a state of mourning. And also Nish Kumar's Your Power, Your Control. 
I like to watch. Did I like to watch it? I don't know. You didn't. I got like a little to watch. rush of joy when I saw yeah. an astromech droid. Uh, Ahsoka on Disney Plus. We like to watch Mister In Between on Disney Plus and Jesse Armstrong. Jesse Armstrong likes to watch Couples Therapy, which you can find on BBC iPlayer here and Showtime elsewhere. Well, I've got a big night coming up. This summer does not quit. Tomorrow night, I'm going. So I was on Celebrity, I'm using my air quotes, Mastermind. My specialist subject was Guys and Dolls. That's all I'm allowed to tell you until my episode airs. I, as a treat to myself for all of my studies, bought myself a ticket to see Guys and Dolls. The production is supposed to be wonderful. And tomorrow night, Becky and I are going. I'm fucking off. We're going for dinner ahead of time. And then to Guys and Dolls, that's happening. What? Just you two uh, little old ladies going for your dinner at 4.45. Yeah, because you got we want to get to the theater by 7 for the 7.30 start. You're going to have soup. No, I don't want to be peeing a lot during the show. Do you feel like soup makes you urinate? Of course it does. It's not a diuretic, but it's a liquid. I can never recall having eaten soup to the point where it's filled my bladder. You're not a soup guy. It's one of the the problems. It's a point of friction between you and my mother. Um. So anyway, I'm doing that. And then on Tuesday, woo, I'm flying to Chicago for my father's 80th birthday. And you and Jean aren't coming with me. And you're feeling really sad because mm. you don't like to be away from me. No. Because of your stuff and my adorable personality. Anyway, I don't know what you guys are doing. It's like the last week and a half of summer holidays for kids. So if you've got school-aged children, you're almost there, you bitch. You are almost there. People who don't have families, it's really not that great. No offense. So like, don't (laughs) let people shame you into think that you're missing anything. Okay, it's the last days of summer. I know how you feel. You you know, I'm just wonderful with understanding people's feelings. Jesse and I have always had that in common, which is also why I love couples therapy. And you're just, you feel, there's a sadness. Oh, there's a melancholy. Isn't there a little melancholy in your body? Summer draws to a close, but also you're going to have time back in your regimen, which I feel like a lot of people, that brings a sense of safety and space. I love a late summer day. Oh, my, my husband loves a late summer day. And um, winter sun. These are two very big production points for him. <laughs> winter sun. But I get very melancholy on the day when I can feel the autumn coming in on the breeze. There's always a day every year where... Oh, the day every the day. year where you're melancholy? Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.